We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. What's a I'd tell you to wipe off your phone and self-isolate, but that's always good advice when you're listening to this podcast. This is the Arsenal Vision Post-Match Podcast. My name is Alex Smith. You can block me on Twitter, Yankee Gunner. So, uh, there's no football, but there's still a podcast. We soldier on, much like England, even though I'm not currently in England. And I will tell you that, uh, look, this is an extremely serious situation. The last thing you need is for me to tell you that. So, we will, as we go through this pod, deal with these serious topics in a serious way. We will also, hopefully, have a little light gallows humor. Um, distract ourselves with discussions of things other than the coronavirus, COVID-19. So, like, I think what I would say is if you're if you're the kind of person or in the kind of headspace right now where anything that attempts to lift the mood or lift the spirit is going to bother you and annoy you, um, I totally understand that. Absolutely no judgment because it is certainly a serious situation, but this might not be the pod for you. Um, if you don't mind a little bit of humor mixed in with, with the seriousness of the situation, then I think we should have you covered. And I also want to say a special thanks to, to patrons. And if you, if you have thought of signing up, because uh, candidly, the situation has actually hit my, um, my career really, really hard. <laughs> and uh, as it appears that I may not have much work uh, in my regular career for uh, quite a while, and, and who knows what the future that will be, uh, I can literally now say that, that as patrons, you are uh, keeping me afloat, me personally, and certainly I, I, I don't, won't speak for anyone else on the pod, but uh, helping me out tremendously uh, in a time of need. So I, I can only say thank you, because obviously that is uh, something I never expected, but is greatly appreciated. So thanks for that. Um, just wanted to, to do that. And thanks for the community in general. I think in times like this, we, we need the community more than ever. And part of the community are the people on the pod, certainly more than me. So one is Tim. You can find him on Twitter at Stoberto, but you cannot find him out in public because he is currently uh, in self-isolation. So Tim, hello, and how are you doing? Hello. Yeah, not too bad, thank you. Not too bad. Just um, 
a bit of a dry tickly cough that uh, developed over the last 24 hours. So I'm taking uh, all, all of the kind of salient government and medical advice and sealing myself in my flat for seven days. So, um, yeah. So our charity auction idea of auctioning off your microphone so that people could have it in their home and maybe, you know, lick it or rub up against it. We're not going to do that, I guess. Um, no. I'll come back to you in a moment. But Clive is here and he is currently not in self-isolation as far as I'm aware. Hello, Clive. Yeah, hello, hello. Um, I'm not from, I'm working from home though and I'm going to work from home for the next few weeks. Mm. So, uh, some form of isolation anyway. I, I would say the three of us on this pod uh, live in the two countries <laughs> that maybe are most struggling to get their hands around how to deal with this. Um, and it's a situation that continues to evolve. But let's deal with the news as it relates to Arsenal first, and then we will fan out from there. Uh, so we will take a moment to wish Mikel Arteta well, and certainly anyone else in the Arsenal organization, and globally dealing with this. I mean, if you're listening and dealing with it, we wish you well. Certainly Tim uh, is, and we wish him well, and, and hopefully it's, it's actually not what he's dealing with. Um, but yeah, to Mikel Arteta, certainly speedy recovery, uh, boss. We we hope you get better. And, uh, you know, you, you've stopped the football, which I think is a charitable, charitable act to all of us, frankly. Um, so, Tim, I mean, how do you feel about the, the way this situation has been handled? I mean, Arsenal <clears throat> put out a statement prior to the City game that was pretty milk toast, pretty bland. And, you know, I had a, a debate with Giant Gunner online because, I, you know, I just felt that the way the statement was worded to, to postpone the game late in the day like that because they were like, two days remaining on the mandatory quarantine from meeting with the Olympiacos owner seemed dubious. And and I, it just felt like there was another shoe to drop and it has dropped. And so I was curious mm. your take on it and the delay that occurred in sort of the premier league deciding to, to not go forward with these games. Yeah, it's an odd one, isn't it? Because I mean, essentially the premier league were following guidance from the government and uh, I'm not enough of an expert to, um, you know, to speculate on, whether the uh, the approach that the UK government has taken is is a good one or not, I, I think I understand what's being said, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But in in terms of um, the games being cancelled, I mean, so first off, the Man City game. What's really kind of odd for me, personally speaking, really selfishly and personally, is uh, I wasn't going to the Man City game which is um, just kind of because I objected to the haste with which it had been arranged. And it was one of those, I could have moved stuff around, but I just said, you know what, why should I? Why should I? This is completely out of order to arrange this at a week's notice. And then, um, and so when it got called off, you know, I because I'm so used to going to the games, it, it's weird how um, how you feel when you think, oh, usually this would impact me, and it and it actually doesn't. And actually, you know, I can see this much more rationally now as a result because I didn't book a train, I didn't book a hotel or anything, I didn't buy my ticket, um, and everything like that. And so, you know, you see th- you process it much more rationally. But at the same time, you realise that 99% of the time you would have done all of those things. I I mean. I think um I think really once that game on Wednesday night was called off I think it was really really obvious that 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 was going to be like um the fir- like the first domino um you know and I I was really surprised actually that that kind of the cancellation of the, of the Premier League calendar for this weekend didn't just go ahead straight after that um I I got into I you know 
So if there's one thing we've probably got time for on these podcasts now is, is slightly rambling anecdote stuff st- <laughs> type stuff. I mean, it won't be so, any different than usual, but sure. <laughs> tomato, tomato. But, but I'll, just, I'll just like just to give it, um, you know, just how quickly moving and, and frankly, how like absurd in some ways all of this is. Like I, I started to develop the cough on Thursday. Right. And I had I had this kind of. And and so and and I guess my observation is it and is how quickly moving this thing is and how quickly you change, like your kind of your attitudes and your way of thinking. Because mm. earlier this week, I was thinking, yes, like Brighton away. It's a Saturday afternoon at three o'clock. The weather's picked up a little bit in England. Like you know, the sun's out. It's not very warm, but the sun's out, and it's kind of stopped raining for five minutes. And I was like, <laughs> a Saturday afternoon three o'clock away gonna have a few beers brighton's a great place to go and then uh you know the women were playing north london derby on sunday and i was thinking what a weekend this is lining up to be beautiful and then you know at the beginning of the week i was like "Mm, i wonder if these games will be called off and that was probably on tuesday or wednesday and by thursday i was like why have these games not been called off what is going on and then um, I kind of got the dilemma of, so I had someone else's ticket for Brighton away, right, uh, for a friend of mine, and she lives in Brighton. And so on Thursday, when it became clear I would have to, like Thursday evening, when it became clear I'd have to self-isolate, I was thinking, shit, how am I going to get this ticket to my friend, given that I can't even leave the house, let alone go to Brighton? Mm. And uh, I started <clears throat> kind of tossing it over in my head, and then I was thinking, well, surely it's just going to get called off anyway, so I'm probably not going to have to worry about it. And, you know, as well as all of the other deluge of far more important information, which actually makes you quite anxious and uncertain, I was kind of thinking, is this something I have to think about? And then, you know, the announcement came out that they were going ahead. And I was thinking, oh, Jesus, like, how how am I going to sort this? And then 10 minutes later... <laughs> it comes out that the manager has coronavirus and it's just been, um, you know, the whole thing at the the risk of, let's just put the caveat out at the beginning, as you've already done, that obviously all of this is, is relatively unimportant and, and public health is the most important thing, but it's, it's just been such a roller coaster. Like yesterday, I I felt exhausted at the end of the day. It just Mm. felt like a, and, and that's, you know, even if you just focus on the football aspect of it, it was a roller coaster. I think I did a screenshot on my Twitter um, page of the stories we'd put up on Ask Blog News during Thursday. And I was looking at it and there was only five of them. And I was thinking, fucking, I never imagined in my life that I would be looking at five stories that all deal with like a, you know, like a pandemic virus. And, yeah. you know, there was one. I'd, you know, I had to do a story on Thursday morning because one of the Arsenal women players um, played in Vietnam on Wednesday and Arsenal insisted that she go into self-isolation for 14 days and you kind of wake up to that news and it's it's just been, I don't know, it's, it's just been, at, at the risk of stating the obvious, just weird and confusing and I guess, you know, again, even just looking at the fo- football aspect of it, I think feeling a bit, confused is just going to be like the new normal for the next few months yeah i i think that's right and you know it is it is difficult because i think there's a lot of fear around this obviously for for understandable reasons 
And there's economic fear. I mean, I'm, I'm experiencing some of that in my own life. Uh, obviously, not the, that the economy is the first concern. There's concern for well-being. I have parents who are in their late 70s and are healthy, but they were going to fly up here to see their grandkids and maybe even me. Uh, now, you know, I, I feel uncomfortable with them doing that. And so one of the things that does become a distraction for us in times like this, I mean, when I've gone through hardship in my life, as dumb as it sounds, football's been there. You know, sport has yeah. been there. Throwing yourself into something trivial and, and in the scheme of things meaningless, but that you really care about is there. And I think confining people, isolating people, creating social distancing and fearfulness and economic uncertainty, and then taking away the entertainment distraction that sort of, I mean, let's face it, sports is, is the opiate of the masses, right? That's what entertainment is. Yeah. And taking that away at this time, I think makes it harder. So Clive, I mean... Thank God we have you uh, to keep people entertained and interested in football. I mean, literally saving lives uh, uh, by, just by providing your insight into football. Uh, what I will ask you footballistically, let's say this. Right now, the season is postponed. Realistically, how do you pick this back up? I mean, so you're going to have some players who have it. I mean, Callum Hudson-Odoi, I think, already tested positive. Obviously, we have a coach who has it. Players are not going to be allowed to go to the training facility and train together, I wouldn't think. How do you come back after whatever the postponement is and expect anybody to be in the shape, forgetting even frame of mind, but physical shape to compete at the level the Premier League requires? You almost need an additional preseason to get them ready. So is it possible for an elite athlete to go through something like this and just come back and and play football again? I, I don't I don't see how you do that. Yeah, I don't. It all depends on the time frames, right? So, just say for example, they're going to be out for two weeks, which I highly doubt. By the way, I think this could go on and on and on, and I, I really do fear for the season. If I'm honest with you, um, but if they are to be back in two weeks, I guarantee all these players now, the ones that are basically at home until probably I know from speaking to somebody at a professional club. They've been told to stay at home till a week Monday, right? So, but while they're at home, depending on the level of footballer they have, the equipment to work at home, individual programs they do on their own, or see doing their own sort of aerobic stuff. It won't be team stuff, but there will be a level of fitness because no one's injured. You see what I mean? Mm. So they can still go and do their work. Then they get back. They're going to need at least a week of of training amongst in a group situation get that sharpness, get that ball intensity, for example, to, to get back. But let's be honest, um, football is a big part of all our lives. Otherwise, you wouldn't be listening to his podcast. But um, it's a big part of all our lives. And it's a big part of the counterbalance in our lives to the, the things we do on a day-to-day -day basis. And this is where we go to think in a different way, to be in a different way. And to associate and align yourself to something in a different way. And to have that taken away. And for many people, also have their working lives taken away. That's a really tough thing to take. Mm. Um, you know, I, I worked for a bank and I was in Scotland this week. And I was coming on the taxi driver to the uh, the airport, talking to him. Lovely taxi. He says, I rent this taxi. And he said, um, I've got a mortgage to pay. And he was asking me, you know, what do banks do? Will they give me a holiday for my mortgage? I want to pay the rent. I normally have 25 jobs. This is my first job of the day. And it's like dawning on you that, crikey, this is absolutely affecting people's livelihoods in a massive way. 
just to, just the general movement of people. You just don't realize how it, it drives an economy until you take it away. You know, you remove it. You know, I travel a bit with work. I've cancelled my hotel rooms for the next few weeks. Hotels, businesses, bed and everything you can think of. Went to the airport, Edinburgh Airport. I had the security to myself. Literally, nobody flying, and that was on Wednesday evening. You know, so this yeah. situation is really, really accelerating to a point which I didn't foresee. I don't think many of us foresee. And it's been a day, a day of days, really. It's been a day of days. But um, we we naturally look forward to the horizon where we get back to normal. Yeah, of course. But but right now. I don't know where that, I can't see that horizon. I just can't see it. No, and I mean, the one thing I don't want to do in this pod, and so we're just not going to do it, is we're not going to politicize this at all. So I, I don't want to talk about the political response. I mean, there is a place for that conversation, and, and it is obviously an important one. I, I just don't want to engage in it, um, if that's okay with you guys. Uh, but I, I think that the... The the next thing that we have to talk about, because we have to have a little fun. I mean, we we deserve fun. We all need a little fun in, in troubling times. So, Tim, I mean, instead of a trophy, should they just present Liverpool with, like, a big asterisk, like like a, a sculpture of an asterisk, or, like, someone on Twitter said a little bronze trophy, like a tiny little bronze trophy, um, and then they could say ours is bronze. Um, this is kind of interesting, because let's be clear. M- math is math. They have not won the title are they 99 percent likely to do it sure but like as we saw with Leicester winning a title one season like 99 percent is not 100 percent. so they have not won the title i am not calling them champions they are not champions can we mm. can we just avoid liverpool being champions is that a possibility <laughs> i mean it might have to be really because as you say like <clears throat> we we really don't know how and if this season can be finished. I, I don't know if there's an opportunity with uh, the way the Guitar World Cup's happening, whether you know there's an opportunity to push the calendar out a little bit. Um, I haven't really thought that through. I'm, I mean, that, that's got to suck if you're a Liverpool fan, right? That's really got to <laughs> it's suck. It's amazing. Where... I love it. I mean, sorry. Yeah, terrible, <laughs> terrible. terrible news. But, it, but it's like, and, and I, I totally get this, right? But even in about November, December, when it was all over and they were like close to 20 points clear already, there was this whole thing about, you know, Liverpool fans aren't going to celebrate it yet. They're not going to celebrate it yet. And then I think in January, they started singing the we're going to win the league song, you know, well, well after everyone else had even stopped concentrating. But, you know, the, the fatalism of fans is such that they waited till they're about 22 points clear to start saying, yes, we're, we're going to do it. And then... You know, you get to that stage where you're like, we're two wins away, we're three wins away. And and then this happens. Like, how do you begin to process that? And that, you know, look, I'm not I'm not going to lie. Were I a Liverpool fan, that would be an additional anxiety upon the other anxieties. Well, think about that... They just got knocked out of the FA Cup. They just got knocked out of the Champions League. And they just got knocked out of the entire league season all in a span of a yeah. fortnight. It's, it's, it's crazy, isn't it? But I, I kind of think... Um, an, an even bigger question than than that, because you know, look, Liverpool will be fine, right? Liverpool will be okay. Um, they they might even win it next season, even if they don't. They've won it eighteen times, and I know it's been a while, but they've won Champions Leagues. Like they'll be fine. The, the bigger and more interesting question to me is, what do you do with like Leeds and West Brom, who mm. are in the top two in the Championship at the moment? What do you say to them, who probably have budgets who are 
that are absolutely, you know, custom designed towards going into the Premier League. And it looks like they're going to get there on sporting merit at the moment, but then they might not. And that's the same all across the pyramid. There's this big like accordion effects. Like what, what do you say to teams who are in like the top two spaces at the moment? Um, It's almost like, and it's kind of less of a question for, well, it's a question, but maybe less of a question for those in the relegation spaces because they'll just say, yeah, 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 end the season, void it, don't worry about it. Uh, no one goes up, no one goes down, we'll sign up for that. But, you know, it's the teams in the promotion spots, like all across the leagues, you know, probably feeling pretty anxious at the moment and thinking, how is this going to play out? Because and because at the moment, we just can't say everything's so uncertain that sure. we just cannot say. I'll give you one scenario, Tim. I think um, in Germany, I'm not sure the league um, exactly, but what they're talking about is um, voiding the season, keeping everything the same, Champions League places, Europa League places as it is now, no trophies, but actually extending the top league by two positions. So the two, the Leeds and West Brom per se, will then will come up and there'll be 22 teams in the league for next year. When I read that yesterday, I thought, that's a joke. That was yesterday afternoon. <laughs> now it seems like a quiet, as you think this through, it's, yeah. it's becoming a better idea by the hour. You yeah, and because I mean? there's potentially going to be slack in the fixture list to accommodate another couple of league games. And you, it probably gives the opportunity to do... So I, I've said for a while now, I thought that um, Guitar 2022, in terms of the European calendar, might be a bit revolutionary and we might see the end of something like the League Cup. Um, I, I yeah. don't think that that was the plan. But like, if you do this, for example, you say, yep, no one's going down. We'll send the top two up. If you're in the playoff positions, too bad. You haven't really got any claim that you were going to go up. Um, necessarily so we'll have an extra two teams we'll dump the league cup for a season and then we'll do like an incremental four teams go down you know because the premier league did have 22 teams in it um in 1995 and then they kind of they just sorted it they just did four relegation four come up you've got uh and sorry and only two came up and you got 20 teams and they could do something like that and and i agree that that would probably be like a fairly dynamic approach. But then, of course, that, you know, what do you do with Champions League spots, for example? Do you just say, well, look, we'll just take last season's table and put those teams back in? From an Arsenal perspective... That'd be perfect, wouldn't it? Well, well, here's the thing. From an Arsenal... City. Well, Well, yeah, 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 there's that. I, I was thinking more like from an Arsenal perspective, like if you gave Arsenal just the completely selfish choice based on self-interest and let's say City aren't banned, like what what do you think Arsenal would do? Because they could just say, yep, we'll sign up. We're in the Europa League again. Great. We've got that. It, it's almost like double double or quits, you know, or mm-hmm. do you say, no, 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 no. We still had like a small chance of getting back in the Champions League and gamble on that like you know what what do you think the club would choose do you think they well, would sign up and say yep we'll take the europa league or no let's play out the season because we still think we've got a shot at fourth well this is the problem the irony of course is that look i don't personally think in part because i'm a huge troll that wants to see liverpool suffer of course but in part because it's reality i don't think you can just say someone won a title that they didn't mathematically win because in sport, crazy things can happen. But if you had to crown Liverpool champions, I think for the most part, once we got over the fact that it was annoying, you'd say, 
fair enough. If you had to give City a Champions League spot, you know, ban notwithstanding, or and even Leicester to some extent, fine. Chelsea, United, to some extent, you know, the teams behind them like Sheffield and Wolves, um, Spurs and Arsenal maybe less so, but even to some extent, and then the Europa League places, like, those are totally up in the air. And huge money rests on that. You know, the, the sort of whole backbone of how these football clubs are run in some, as we've seen, to some extent, depends on it. So maybe you can just give the trophy to Liverpool. I wouldn't like yeah, it, yeah. but I can understand it. But you, there's no outcome. Because if you go to last year's finishing places, you are absolutely screwing the hell out of Leicester, right, for one. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, if you go to I'm the current four. league table position, I mean, we're we're absolutely fucked. Right, so I mean, what what yeah, yeah. is the solution? Tell me, how do you how do you resolve it's, a thing like that? It's it's weird, you know, because um, in in following a uh, Brazilian football, like in South America, um, leagues being decided by the courts happens quite a lot. Um, <laughs> well, that that's a sign I, I of a would, good functioning league. <laughs> yes, I, I'll give you an example because what used to happen, it doesn't really happen anymore, is um, like in Brazil, they're much more attracted to the American playoff system um, culturally. And what used to happen was that the league, like how they decided who won the league, like changed every year. Like they'd change it. They'd go, oh, we're having a playoff or no, we're not having a play. You know, there were different conditions every year. And I'll give you a good example, right? The 1987 Brazil Real title was only officially decided. The winners were only officially decided in 2018. It took 31 years to get through the courts as to who'd won it. And um, there's there's been stuff like, um, again, rambling anecdote time, I guess. In like 1999, they couldn't decide who'd gone down. And they couldn't get it through the courts quickly enough until the next season started. This was in, yeah, 99. So what they had to do, they couldn't start the 1999 season officially. So what uh, the Brazilian FA did was they were like, right, we'll do like, we'll do the league, but it's not official. And they did invitation only. And they had Fluminense, who are one of the biggest clubs in Brazil, but who were going through a really shit time. And they'd been relegated to the third division. But because they were a big club, the Brazilian FA said, oh, come and play in this invitation league that's kind of like, you know, really it's the top flight. And they invited them in, uh, to which Fluminense said, hell yeah, because this, that's much better than playing in the third division. Mm -hmm. And then when they sorted it all out again... Fluminense were just allowed to stay in the top flight, so they were promoted two divisions Great. and never had to play in the third in the third tier. So you get like wonderful stories like that, and uh, I wonder if we're in for something similar because the the, the thing we're going to real well, I'm sure we already realised through this whole thing is that there is not only is there no such thing as like the perfect solution. There's no such thing as a good solution or even like a palatable one. I can't see how you do any of this without someone going to the courts, basically, however you decide mm. it, unless you commit to just playing it on and playing it out whenever that can happen. Um, you know, maybe later this year or whatever. Any, you know, any other way is going to result in litigation. So I'll give you the fun viewpoint and I'll give you my dark viewpoint. And you will hate my dark viewpoint in particular. Um, I had a sneaking suspicion that if ever UEFA wanted their Super League, they could. this would be the time to go for it. 
All yep. the leagues are in chaos. We don't know who's a Champions League team. We don't know who you're... You know what? We need to scrap it. We need to. We need a starting point where it's fair to everyone. Here comes the Super League. Like, this would be their opening to go do that. Um, mm-hmm. And, I, you know, I, there are some people that actually would look forward to that. I, I, I know you would... You've said in the past, for you, Tim, that would be the end of football. My fun thing is, yeah. look, I will say this. I think the one thing American sport has going for it is that it's a fairly creative environment. And we've seen some creative solutions to things in the past. You know what would be hella fun? There's not going to be a lot of time to play football. There just isn't. And like a March Madness. Yeah, is this what you're a tournament. Yeah, make yeah. a tournament for the Champions League. Take, you know, pick the cutoff wherever you want it to be. I would say definitely include Arsenal. Um, and have a, have a you know, a Champions League style home and away. And if you don't have time for home and away, single knockout with a draw like an FA Cup. And give away one spot for the Champions League. I mean, if you want to really screw Leicester, give away two. But like... Come up with it. Hell, throw them all in there. Throw City in there. Throw Leicester. Say Liverpool are champions, and we're going to take eight teams and play off for for three Champions League places, or whatever, you know, whatever the case may be. I mean, that would be fun. I mean, do you? Yeah. I mean, what would you? Know, you yeah. Go ahead. I, I, yeah, I, I think I think that'd be a great idea, actually, and uh, probably like a, a you know a way of making the best of a bad situation. I'll, I'll give you another example of what they did in women's football, right? Because women's football. Initially, they went to a summer program and then a couple of years ago, they switched it back to a winter program. And what they did to fill the void, they did something called the spring series uh, just to fill that kind of three months up for the transition. And what they did was just a mini league and you play each team once and you basically like you still play half your games home and half your games away. And too bad if you've got to play one of the best teams away. You know, they, they, they just arranged it like that. So it's like, right, mini league. It's going to go on for two months. You'll all play each other once. Bang. And it was almost, you know, not quite a March Madness thing, but they they just burned through another league quickly. And yeah, I, I, th- I think that could I think that could be a creative solution to it. It could be like a really fun solution as well. And I mean, look, you know, Mikel Arteta is a visionary, obviously, for a lot of reasons. But now, I mean, I was so devastated by the loss at Olympiacos, but now he was just thinking of the future. You know, we don't need these fixtures they're not going to play anyway. Why bother beating them? It's just a waste of time. So credit to him for seeing that. Clive, let, let's examine how this could impact the club going forward. And by the way, if we should come up with a hashtag for this uh, Champions League qualifi- qualification tournament and uh, get it trending and, and get, the, get the good folks at the Premier League and UEFA to sign on for it. But Clive, let, let's put Arsenal in the crosshairs here and, and see how this impacts it. We, we were already set up for an interesting summer. Unclear what our budget would be, obviously, Pending whether we qualified for Europa League and on the outside chance we qualified for the Champions League. Um, we may have won an FA Cup, by the way, which <laughs> now that's that's gone. Um, and certainly there were questions about things like Aubameyang and stuff like that. Do you have any thoughts on how this could impact decisions we make with respect to players, um, decisions with transfers? I mean, could contracts be extended by default, you know, could contract terms have to be amended? There's a, there's a lot of things that have to be taken into consideration here. But one thing I would ask you is, look, Arsenal, of all the big clubs, arguably are depending the most on ticket revenue because, obviously, we don't have Europa League money now. We don't have Champions League money at all. And and so, you know, the, the match day revenue is really important. Is, is this sort of, uh, look, we're just talking football here. So, again, putting it in yeah. perspective. But from a football standpoint, is this worst case scenario for Arsenal vis-a-vis trying to do any business whenever this stuff comes back? 
Well, listening to you talk about summer tournaments and things like that, I'm thinking, yeah, I, I get that up to a point, and they're great ideas, but then I think about the organisations that we have to deal with to sort of make these things happen, and they are, some, some of them are antiquated with people that do things very, very slowly. So, But what I do think is quite interesting that this potentially could change things in how the next deal is then done, because these clubs are going to be losing money. And they don't like losing money. And so things like the the overseas deal, where everyone gets the same money, but really the overseas uh, punter really wants to see the top six teams, for example. And they've all, they've long argued for more money, but bigger slice of the pie, based on their fan base, based on their coverage, based on how they pull people to the provider, advertising, the whole thing. That could reawaken itself massively i also think potentially summer football could come back into the time frame again the there's lots of people that think they'd get a lot more out of football people watching viewing if the calendar moves around now the traditionalists traditionalists in the uk don't agree with that other people think that could really be something i know it's something that Tim could correct me if I'm wrong, but I'm, I know it's something that the, the ladies' teams have done in the past and they may well do in the future. It may give them something slightly separate so not totally competing against the main games. So the opportunity for global rescheduling, I think, is really, really there. But is there the appetite to take it based on this once-in-a-generation opportunity? That's going to be quite interesting. And as for the, this season, for example, and how it's going to play out, will all contracts end on June the 30th? So whatever you do, you've got a time frame. And then you start to think, well, these players, what I have on my books playing for me, potentially could roll over. So that's not going to work. So there's a time limit what we can do for the European Championships, for example, has moved on. So there's a, there's, there really is an unbelievable amount of uncertainty. And then you get to the point where actually, it's, this is going, this gets delayed again for a few more weeks. You really are saying, it's over. It's really done. So your Liverpool scenario could really, really happen. If that happens, then you've got to think about opening transfer windows to get the business of football going. It may end up going a little bit earlier, the transfer window, to get it started to allow the season to restart a bit earlier. So to make sure there's gaps for the next summer tournament, for example, to make sure there's a good lead-up and a good gap. It's ironic it's the first year we had a winter break in the UK, now we've got another enforced break. It's absolutely ironic. And I just mm. think everything is everything on the table it really is it has to be because this is not normal right so we also got to take that thinking away that normal thinking away from the people who are going to be making decisions and say for the future of the game for the future of clubs for the future of you know the game from the top to bottom because what's really worrying we talk about Arsenal here and we're not going to go out of business right but there's a hell of a lot of clubs in the EFL that absolutely rely on this revenue week on week to get people into the ground, to allow them to pay their players, to allow them to play their staff, to allow them to maintain their grounds. This stuff is not done with cash reserves in the background. And these clubs are sitting there probably more scared than anything today, you know, about what's going to happen. If this goes on for weeks, they are literally talking about a big chunk of their budget that's gone. And it's 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 gone. It's not replaceable. It can't be done by a TV deal. They may not be able to sell a player, and if they do, they're not selling it from a high perspective. 
So the, I just can't help but th- there's a human, obviously, public safety, health and safety aspect to this. Obviously, we talk about human lives here. But we're also talking about, I can't get away from looking at the economy. Maybe maybe it's because of the work. I, I mean, the economy you, you of don't life. You have to tell the economy, me, man. I'm <laughs> <laughs> the, the economy of football, the economy of life, the simplest thing. That's also something the, today that, um, for example, you know, I followed the NBA earlier. Mm-hmm. Um, Kevin Love just gave 100 grand to the people that work for the Cleveland Cavaliers, the people that come to the ground, those hourly paid workers. There will be no basketball. They rely on this money, first jobs, second jobs, to look after their families. All the people that work around the organisation, they're not highly paid, but they've got nothing. They haven't got that income, and this is this is just so huge. It's just so huge, and um, it's going to be interesting to see when we do go back into the decision process how sensitively that's done, how holistic that's done, and whose self-interest is it done for. You know, it's going to be so interesting to see how that conversation develops. Yeah, and I mean, it it is it is unfortunate that during a health emergency, people have to think of other things. But like, there's still bills to pay, and you know, as usual, it is the most disadvantaged segment of society that is going to be hit the hardest by this. People who rely on the gig economy, people who rely on an hourly paycheck, and you're right. Within sport, there are a lot of people whose livelihoods is tied to sport. Are tied to sport. Live, their livelihoods are tied to sport. There you go. <clears throat> anyway, uh, yeah, and, and it's it's really unfortunate. And certainly, you know, I, I think the hard part of this is there's just a lot we don't know in terms of the timeline. I mean, I, I read recently that the, the April date that the Premier League has set is just a placeholder to give them space, that it's more likely to happen in May. I mean, <clears throat> if you try to create a summer tournament or something like that, you're crossing over, as you pointed out, Clive, contract expiration dates in some instances. So do players just fuck off in the middle of trying to play summer football? I I think it is certainly concerning. And Tim, this is this is the thing that now I, I want to talk to you about with respect to Arsenal. Um, we had a lot of work to do. And, you know, finishing the season does a lot of things for you. It helps you assess, you know, maybe you win an FA Cup and you crawl back into the Champions League places. Maybe you finish ninth and you lose your next FA Cup tie to to Sheffield, right? Um, mm. And and the season looks like it's cratering and you have to make different decisions. Maybe a young player bursts onto the scene. I mean, there are so many things that you don't get to see. I'm curious what you think could be, let's do this, one potential positive from this happening, if if you can even think of one, because I haven't given you a chance, and then what you think could be the most serious negative from a purely footballing, squad-building kind of situation? So, um, <clears throat> a positive from that respect? I mean, <clears throat> so, positive is probably, to be honest, um, if there was a season that this was ever going to happen from a purely Arsenal perspective, this is probably the one. Um, we're mid-table, we're out of the Europa League. Um, I don't think they'll bother finishing the cup competitions um, like the FA Cup and all of that. I wouldn't be surprised if they just said, look, nobody has really any claim that they were going to win that, so let's not bother. Um, so So from that perspective, it's not hugely disruptive to Arsenal because they kind of already burned their own season down a couple of months ago. Mm -hmm. Um, And in that respect, 
it's not like we were on the cusp of something. Do you know what I mean? It's not like um, if you sign for us, you were going to sign for like um, a team that's going to be in the Champions League or this or that. Like it, it's pretty clear that we weren't going to be in the Champions League. We know that much. So actually, our reality is not hugely up in the air, and therefore, any kind of contingency we've made, I don't think like so. And, I think Arteta has probably got a clear idea of what types of player he wants um, for the summer window, for example. And I don't think in the position we're in that too much has really changed in terms of what we sell to players coming in, you know, the project, as it were. It's not like we're in a kind of... uh, The Champions League was an outside shot for us and if anything the focus was probably on getting into the Europa League for next season and you know I think one way or another whether the season's finished or not that will probably happen because if it's finished I think we'll get there and if it's not and they go on like last season standings or whatever then I think we'll probably be back in it so in terms of our planning I don't think it throws too much uncertainty up into the air which you know, obviously there are loads of other uncertain factors about like money and when that money comes in and bonus money and Lord knows what they're doing with players' contracts and goal bonuses and appearance bonuses and all of that. Like there's there's so much to sort out. But from, you know, the actual like project perspective, it's it's not like we would we were close to the Holy Grail and we just missed out. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, it's no. like it's, <clears throat> we were we it's, were some distance off and, and probably not getting there. I I think yeah. The the best news, arguably, is just that, um, you know, maybe we don't see Liverpool in the title. I, I, I struggle yeah. to see any Arsenal-related good news coming from this, per se. No, um, no. So, you know, I, I can't come up with one there. I think the bad news, there, there's multiplier effects here. Like, so first of all, it could be an economic impact of lost ticket sales and not being able to claw our way back into Europe. And maybe they just say you're fi- the place you were in is where you finish. And so we don't even have Europa League. And, you know, mm-hmm. it, it's it goes from there. And, you know, losing the FA Cup, which, you know, we at least theoretically could have won. And by the way, is a backdoor into the Europa League. Um, mm-hmm. I think the worst news could be for some of the kids. I mean, we have a lot of young players. The time they get to work with Arteta, the minutes they get to play this season with less on the line, maybe in FA Cup, maybe in you know in league games, their development. Like we've seen what happens yep. to a player like a Rob Holding, a young player, or you know we saw it with Jack Wilshere. We've seen it with lots of players who miss extended time at critical developmental periods. And whether it's Nelson or Enkedia, you know, not so much Ganduzi who's played tons of minutes, even Martinelli who maybe looks like a super super talent, but like. For Saka, to some extent, for Nelson, for sure, for Enkedia, guys who were getting minutes maybe they didn't even expect to get, um, it's a setback. It's a setback developmentally. Yeah. It's, it's you know, let's say they cancel this season and the next time we play again is literally in August of this summer, if we're lucky. Is Enkedia now going to be a starting forward for Arsenal? Is, is Nelson going? I mean, can you make that decision based off the limited information you had? Go ahead, Tim. Sounds like you want to weigh in there. And then, Clive, I certainly want to get your, your take on how this impacts them. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, it, it, it's a really strange one, isn't it? Because you're kind of taking momentum um, away. I mean, from everyone, that's something that affects everyone. But also, um, you know, a lot of these players are getting opportunities because of injuries. And, you know, the next time we play, a lot of those injuries aren't going to be there anymore. And everyone's going to be at the same level of fitness, probably, which is going to be low. Um, and then, you you know, you think about, like, 
someone like uh, so it worked differently for some players than others right for Hector Bellerin this is probably not the worst thing in the world mm. to give him a little bit of time to recuperate if you're Kieran Tierney and you've missed most of the season and you're just on the cusp of coming back again and you're looking at the team and you're thinking wow the left back in this team is like a huge part of the attack this is yeah, th- this looks great. This, uh, you know, he he must be absolutely chomping at the bit, and then this happens, and he thinks, "Oh shit!" Um, and and actually, I've been doing all of my strength and conditioning with a view to getting me back, and, and that's that's a big challenge, right? The whole strength and conditioning aspect of it, that's that's a massive challenge for for the strength and conditioning staff and the players. So, yeah, I I agree with you. I think for players who are perhaps in a bit of a rut, maybe, or who were you know, up and down like Willock, this is bad news, but it's bad news as well for, for guys like Saka. Um, yeah. Who, who've been getting a run in the team. And mm. what does that look like in three months time or four months time or six months time or, or whatever? Like we just don't know. Yeah. I mean, it, it's, it's a question that no one can answer. And Clive, I'll let in here and just stop to say, as you pointed out, Mikel Arteta has tweeted, has Instagrammed, has whatever social media platform you're on messaging the fans to, to say basically that he's, proud of the decision the Premier League made, that it was right, and most importantly, that he's already feeling better. So hopefully on his way to a speedy recovery. Clive, you have a thought on specifically like this crop of young players and, and how the disruption for their season changes not only the trajectory of their careers, but the club's ability to really carefully and effectively assess whether that's the group they want to take into the season next season. I I don't think it's going to be a massive um, decision point for some of them. I think it may affect people who are not in favour at the moment and not got an opportunity to change their round. Someone like Maitland Niles, for example, who sees a window of opportunity that's appearing with uh, an injury to Torreira, potentially could get his attitude in place, potentially come back into the squad. That opportunity is going to potentially disappear. Um, so I think the players that are already making good progress, trust me, the, the club will know. They'll know what they're going to do, and their and their pathways will already be in place. I just think it, for us fans, we like to see a bit more information and data so we can be sure. But I think the club are fairly sure. Um, I do think the whole integrity of, of football is under under threat here, and it's, it's just by what you do with your with your squad building. So. Obviously, we've taken certain decisions, for example, by keeping Eddie around to make sure that he can underpin our sort of two aged strikers. And you look at Spurs, for example, who didn't take those cautious decisions with their forwards. They lost their two forwards in disarray, out of two competitions. Should they have let Lorente go? Probably not. Situation is now if the league is delayed by two months, their two forwards are back, mm. back in place. And you've got to ask, another other clubs will say, well, they mismanaged their squad. They didn't really have the right insurance policies in place. Didn't build it correctly. Unlucky. You know, we've, we've been unlucky. We've um, cruciates to our defenders for the past couple of years. So, And it's cost us defensive stability. And look at our goals against, shots against. So things happen during the season, the journey of a season, the management of a squad, management of a club, your recruitment. And it all manifests itself on the pitch. And um, by playing a regular cadence of football, those things you do well, those things you don't do so well become really, really visible to the the watching public. Right. So once you create an unforse- uh, an un- artificial gap, sorry, then you're creating an artificial season. So this void 
I keep going back to this void thing. It didn't. It looked stupid to me a day ago, but it doesn't look so stupid now because I can see where that's coming from. And and I do think for Arsenal the project, I think the way football is, it's uh, it's a village, and if Arsenal are doing good things, football will know Arsenal are doing good things. And so my my caveat to that is we all think that the manager is a good manager. Everybody in the game spoke about him with these such elevated opinions before I'd even seen him manage a game. It's, I found it quite shocking. So obviously, the village of football know this is a very intelligent guy. What I don't know, or I can't say with the same level of, of certainty, is people around the club like Raul, for example. I don't know him well enough. I don't read enough good things about him to say that a project house we're putting together is, is stellar. I don't know Edu enough in the context of Europe. to. I know him in the context of a footballer. I know him in the context of a slick suit. I don't know him enough within the European game to say, is this something that the, the, the village of football are going to buy into, the agents are going to buy into, the young players are going to buy into. I don't know enough about that. And obviously we know about our ownership. We know that they haven't got much credibility to the, the broader European game. So I do mm. think... A lot, a lot is on the manager, Elliot. A lot is on the manager to see what he's going to do next year. And I know we're going to have plenty of time to do these podcasts in the next few weeks. I know it's in all of our minds. But what he wants to be, what he wants the club to be, how he wants us to play, how he's going to recruit, is the thing that you know on the football side of things I can't wait to discuss. Yeah, I mean, you make a really important point, and it's one that I think has to be realized with any decision to restart the league. Look, <clears throat> no one can plan for a situation like this, and so you have to deal with it. But you're right. The narrative of a season, the storyline of a season, is in some respects within the control of each team and some respects without. Injuries play a role. Players who leave, players who fall out with a manager, you know, whatever the case may be. And pausing a season changes that narrative, changes that timing. Players come back from injury or, you know, relationships are repaired or bad form turns back into good form you know whatever whatever the case is yeah it's it's a huge disruption and and what you will come back playing like is un, is unforeseen because let's face it right it's sort of similar to seasons ending sure there's some player movement but you know a team can finish a season looking great and come back the next season and be terrible uh and and the same thing can happen here so there isn't really a good option but you know i mean i i think with respect to the club you you're right you got to trust that Arteta knows what he's doing and that he will make good, sound decisions. Tim, let's just finish with this. I mean, I I can't begin to imagine how you unwind all of the issues that are bound up in this. But in terms of our squad, in terms of what needs to be done with it, um, you know, do you, do you think that this will have a major impact on the business we do or do not do, both in going, incoming and outgoing? Or do you think that regardless of what they do with the rest of this season – the, the plan that we had in mind prior to this is the plan that we'll execute on. I think um, they'll want to stick to the plan as closely as possible. <clears throat> I, I can't really see them changing. I, I'm not sure that any real end to the season would have changed that for Arteta. I think he's got a very clear um, idea of the system he wants to play and the type of players he needs to play. And I, I don't think that would have changed. Even if we'd have won every game and finished fourth and won the FA Cup, I, I still think that wouldn't have changed that much. I, but of course, the the ability to execute it 
um, is is really the big question for me because again we don't know how the season's going to be decided we don't know what that's going to do to our bottom line we don't know what and and as much as you know Clive's absolutely right like Arsenal are very 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 much in the first world when it comes to this kind of thing but at the same time you know big clubs they get big revenues but they got big costs as well and losing you know losing however many home games were left it's going to hit the bottom line um quite a lot and um you know arsenal need that that's not all just like spare revenue that's money that arsenal need like arsenal may need arsenal made like a what was it a 27 million pound loss in the most recent accounts so mm-hmm. you know that that is a lot of money <laughs> um and as yet, we're not clear on whether or how any of that will be recovered and what that does to our bottom line. Um, you know, th- this might be like a bit of a Y2K moment for the league. You know, it, it might it might equalize um, some balance sheets a little bit. We don't know if like if because I've I've read quite a bit about what happened, you know, with club finances during the Second World War, for instance, which was, you know, obviously, I mean, hopefully much longer than this will go on for and 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 you know more devastating etc etc but you know arsenal nearly went to the wall um in the in the 40s because that was seven years without football and that hits your bottom line and um yeah so who knows how much money we're actually going to have um and that was slightly uncertain anyway depending on which if any european competition we're in so in short i don't think the plan will change whatsoever it's just all of the other myriad uncertainties that affect the bottom line that might yeah what i would say is you know the clubs that that can skate from this a little bit ffp notwithstanding are the clubs that either have sugar daddy owners right so city and then depending on what you think about um, yeah. Chelsea, maybe Chelsea to some extent, the teams that have a lot of prize money that they've just racked up like Liverpool or, um, you know, Champions League money. And then, you know, the the big uh, commercial deal clubs like Manchester United. We, of the group of clubs that we need to climb over outside of Spurs, of Liverpool, Chelsea, City, United, we have probably the, the worst situation in terms of commercial revenue and TV revenue and the biggest dependence on on gate, so we definitely fall behind them economically. Um, but you know what? We have all the young kids and the best coach in the world, so that should be enough. Let's uh, let's leave it there because I think we've we've covered the topic pretty extensively. I do want to tell you that over on the Patreon side, we're going to do a lot of pods throughout the break. We'll break down individual players. We'll do a season review. Um, and if the season picks back up, we'll do another one for everybody. Uh, but, you know, we'll try to fill the time over there with, with lots of stuff. And then, you know, obviously still have the occasional pod over here on the regular side as well. So we'll, we'll try to keep things going. One thing I'm going to look into uh, over in the Discord is seeing if I can get FIFA games streamed in there. Because if I can figure out the technology, what I will do is I will let uh, patrons play each other in FIFA while I do uh, live commentary to the games. Because we got to fill the time somehow. So that's uh, that's something we're working on. In any event, I, I wish everybody health and, and wellness and... And uh, certainly emotional health as well. Keep your head up. You know, certainly uh, not so up that things like germs fly in your face. Keep your head down in, in, in that case. But you, you get the idea. The point is we'll get through it. And I certainly uh, wish you health and, and prosperity in a, t- in a tough time. So uh, Tim's on Twitter. Stoberto. Tim, certainly uh, wish you health and wellness at this time <laughs> as you uh, self-isolate. 
my pleasure. Yeah, um, I'll, I'll probably like by the end of my self isolation period, I imagine I'll probably just end up talking whether I'm recording a podcast and have an audience or not. Um, so I'll, I'll probably have like a lot of imaginary conversations with you guys you, over the next few days. You will finally be a regular feature on the Patreon pods because you have nothing else going on. Um, and and certainly uh, felicitation, congratulations, whatever you want to say uh, on the uh, impending arrival of your uh, your first child. Yes, thank you very much. Thank you, and thank you to everyone who um, I, c- I couldn't reply to everyone, but thank you to everyone on Twitter who who kind of greeted that news uh, so enthusiastically. Really, really grateful, and obviously very happy. I saw you post a shirt, and it said something about a new rival to the women's team, and like I, I didn't even get it. <laughs> I had to have it like pointed out to me what it meant. Um, but but bravo, well done. Clive uh, is on Twitter at Clive PFC. Always appreciate your viewpoint in these. Uh, well, I was going to say in these times, like these are regular times, but it's been a tough season, Clive. I think you could say that if you had to say, how will this Arsenal season end? Global pandemic kind of fits with our coach being like one of the first high profile people to to get it. Like it feels like it fits, doesn't it? Also, we've always driven new things. Driven, <laughs> we've always been at the forefront of change. So when Arteta get, gets the coronavirus, and within an hour we stop football, that's what we're all about, right? We we still there at the vanguard of things. Mm. So uh, yeah, it's a, it's an interesting time. But hey, all I can say is let's try to keep let's try to keep some perspective and keep good health and um and what. We'll try to keep your company to go for the next few weeks. We absolutely will. And I'm going to do the outro that you all expect me to do. So I apologize in advance for it, but I'm going to do it because 8 million people asked me to do it. So I'm going to do it, okay? I just apologize, but I'm going to do it. My name is Elliot Smith. You can block me on Twitter at Yankee Gunner. I hope you're well. I hope you hang in there. And we will talk to you after Arsenal 10, COVID-19. I'm Mark Chapman. Welcome to the Planet Premier League podcast. Each week, Cesc Fabregas, Nader Manua and myself talk all things Premier League. As a player, you don't have time to talk. No. You don't have time to make a plan. You just need to deal with wave after wave after wave. We watched Coach Carter and he said, oh, afterwards, the game's just about doing this for your teammates. And I remember looking around halfway through the film and half the squad was asleep. <laughs> Planet Premier League. Listen wherever you get your podcasts.